Good morning. I'm Tyler Raines along with my co-host Cameron Capobianco and Jimmy Kelsang. And you're listening to the Pro Shot Podcast. You know, it's a great day for hockey. Whether it's the Leafs, the Steelheads, the Blades, the Grand Falls Rapids, or even if it's just your beer league game. Now, this morning with us, we have a very special guest. He's somebody who all of us have looked up to and continue to look up to. Uh, from TSN 1050, the host of First Up with Landsberg and Koliakovo, one of the best in sports radio. Please welcome one of the one and only Michael Landsberg. Well, thank you for that uh, introduction. I'm sure you meant part of it, so I'll accept, uh, <laughs> I'll accept the good parts. Because like when you go, you know, very special guest or whatever. I mean, I, I you see, you can't fool me. Because I do the same sorts of things, and very often you introduce people and you try to say nice things about them so they feel comfortable. So it worked. I feel very comfortable. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing great. Excellent. Awesome, awesome. So it's uh, it's a great day for Maple Leafs hockey, isn't it? They're playing the San Jose Sharks at the Shark Tank at 10 o'clock, 1030. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Does that make it a great day? You're going to have to explain to me why you think it's a great day because they're playing the San Jose Sharks. Well, see, so convince me. Well, see, because they've won the last three games in a row, they're three in their last four. It's uh, it's going to be very exciting to see what this Leafs team can do. I, I mean, I, I, I think that's true. I think they still have to prove to us that they can play consistent hockey. And I think even more than that, they have to prove that they can play a, a style of hockey that will give them a chance in the first round of the playoffs because they'll be playing a team that, that is going to have a better record than them. They'll probably be playing Tampa, which is going to be a massive challenge. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to tonight seeing them continue to uh, – to develop uh, and that hopefully they'll show some consistency that they have not shown all season long. Absolutely. So I'm going to hand it over to Jigme with the first question. On TSN. How has the experience been working on TSN? Yes. Uh, well, I, I would say that uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the majority of my life. So the experience has ranged from amazing to probably at worst, probably okay, pretty good. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, as long as I continually feel like I'm challenged, as long as I continually feel like, you know, I have to, I have to be at my best, mm-hmm. as long as I have a, an, an outlet for, um, for whatever creative energy I have, then I'm really happy, and fortunately, I've, I've gotten to do uh, a long list of amazing things. So uh, I guess to answer your question, it's been great. Yeah, so and uh, just connecting back to that question, you know, like during your career on the radio so far, what kind of obstacles have you faced, and how did you overcome it? Well, I, I think the biggest obstacle I've had was, uh, well, l- let's break it into two. Number one, finding the right partner. Uh, that that took until we we got Carlo Coliacopo because I, I, I'm not really a big fan of working with another broadcaster because I, I kind of say as you're going through it you know like who the hell cares what we have to say I don't really care what I have to say and here there's another guy who never played any professional sport I don't care what he has to say either so Carlo changed all of that and you mm-hmm. know took the show from from my standpoint from being okay, but I didn't tell people when when I would see people out and about. Mm-hmm. I didn't say you got to listen to uh, to the show that I host because I, I didn't think it was that good. Uh, but now I do think it's good, and the reason is because uh, 
Carlo and I are so different. Our experiences are so different. And I can ask him questions that I genuinely want to know what he thinks is the answer. Mm -hmm. But the other challenge is that in television, which obviously I spent the majority of my career, in television you very seldom talk for longer than 15 seconds. It would be really unusual for you to do that. And yet in radio, that's what's called upon. Radio is the ultimate freedom. Uh, Radio, you know, there's no clock that's ticking on you as you talk about something. In fact, it's expected that you will talk for extended periods of time, whether it be Mm -hmm. 30 seconds or a minute. Whatever, Whatever it takes to entertain people and to inform people is what's called for. So it took me a while to get used to not speaking in 15 second increments. It took me a while to be able to enjoy the freedom to be able to talk for as long as I felt was appropriate. Mm-hmm. So that that is that are some great que- uh, great answers. Um, and so you know, speaking about Carlo Koliakovo, I'm just going to turn it over to my partner uh, Cameron Kapovienko for the next question. Okay. So Michael, my question for you is: I was uh, doing a little bit of research, um, and I was reading about. Uh, off the record, and you had a very popular guest in Jamie Storr, former NHL goalie. Um, yeah, that's true. I was wondering, he because now he coaches a team I broadcast for, the Oakville Blades. I was wondering, um, what was the experience like working with Jamie Storr on that show? Uh, well, I, I didn't work with him. He was a guest on the show, so uh, he was a guy that uh, you know I I grew to to really like. I, I, uh, I mean, we would essentially back in 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 the day. We would put anybody on the show who played in the NHL, um, and and sort of test them out. And if they were really good, even if they weren't that famous, we would continually to book them. I mean, Jamie Storr had some pro- profile, so that was good. And uh, ultimately, he was he was pretty candid, and he was pretty open, and he was pretty not crazy, which was the disappointing part because you want your goalies to be crazy. You want them to be like, oh, my God, that guy is a whack job because whack jobs make for good uh, good television or good radio. But Jamie was uh, – was I, I found him to be an interesting guy. He was willing to be you know, reasonably candid, which is about as much as you can expect from somebody in the NHL. And he had some great stories. He had some great stories that uh, – I don't remember exactly what they were, but I remember thinking at the time, uh, it's, this guy's pretty interesting. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to Tyler now with the next question. Okay, Michael, so we are going to throw it into some Toronto Maple Leafs talk now. Uh, Going back a little bit to Alexander Ovechkin's comments in the beginning of the season regarding whether they needed to decide if the Leafs are playing for themselves or playing for a Stanley Cup. My question is now, based on what we've seen in the last few weeks, do you think they are playing for themselves or are they playing now to contend for a Stanley Cup? Well, I would answer that by saying, uh, let's go beyond the three weeks. Let's go for the entire season. Yeah. And I would say based on, on the entire season, you can't really give an answer to that. I mean, certainly uh, based on when Mike Babcock was the coach, the first part of the season, they looked like they were playing for themselves. Then when Sheldon Keefe took over, they looked a little bit more like a team that was playing to be able to go somewhere in the playoffs. And then they started to struggle. If you, if you go back to January the 1st to, uh, to uh, the 
just before their three-game win streak when, when they lost to the Zamboni driver on the Saturday night. Yes. If you were to go from January the 1st to that night, you would say, no, they haven't really proven that they have the commitment to excellence in areas outside of scoring goals. Of that course. would suggest that, hey, you know, they've really learned their lesson. But the last three games, I thought they played really well in, uh, in Tampa, in Florida, and then against the Canucks. So, uh, I mean, I think we're still at the point where, where we say, you've got to prove it to us. You know, I'm not buying it yet based on three games. Of course. But better to have three good games like that than three bad ones. But right now, until they prove to me otherwise, and I don't mean they have to prove to me. I mean, who the hell am I? But until they can prove that they understand what it takes to win in the playoffs, to play that kind of style. I'm going to say, uh, you know, they're still a team that is soft mentally and soft physically. So hopefully they'll prove that over the last, uh, the last 16 games of the season and then into the playoffs. Absolutely. So now given the race in the Atlantic Division with how tough it is between Florida and Toronto, now Toronto being five points ahead of Florida, um, what could they possibly do to make sure that they're playing their best hockey that they don't let Florida back into that race? Um, well, I, I, I think that you, you phrased it in a good way. I mean, Florida's not really in, in the race at this point. I mean, they have to climb back in it. They're down five points, and, and Florida's been god-awful, man. Oh, they, yeah. They've been terrible. I mean, sure, it's an accomplishment for the Maple Leafs to be five points ahead of the Panthers, but a big part of that is the fact that the Panthers have been so crappy. And, you know, they were playing really well, then they had their week off, and since they've come back, they've played terrible hockey. So, I mean, I hope Florida starts to play well. I hope that they push the Leafs. I hope that the Leafs, you know, don't sort of limp into the playoffs. I hope they're forced to play their best hockey to get into the playoffs, to prepare themselves to be playoff ready. Uh, because from what we've seen most of the season, I, I don't think anyone would have, over the course of the season, predicted that they could beat the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. Right. They still need to show that they can play that kind of hockey. Right, and by Florida heating up, it'll give them that kind of extra kick to uh, to kickstart their game. Well, let's put it this way. They're up by Florida with uh, by five points with 16 games to go. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. So if, if they are life and death to make the playoffs, or if they can't make the playoffs being in this position with that those many games left, then uh, they're going to really have to look in the offseason and ask themselves, you know, do we like the route that we're going right now? Do we like our direction? Uh, because uh, if they can't make the playoffs with a five-point edge on, on Florida in 16 games, then something's really wrong. Right. Hey, Jigby. Hi, Michael. Um, so the next question I had for you was looking at the – the farm team of the Maple Leafs, the Toronto Marlies, we see all these talented young uh, young athletes coming into the league, uh, like Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, uh, Pierre Engvall. And uh, so the question for you would be, would you see Jeremy Bracco uh, have any playing time with the Maple Leafs this season? Uh, would I see him play this season, did you say, or next season? This season. Uh, I think it's unlikely that that he will get a chance to play. I mean, I, uh, I, 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 I just think that if he hasn't got his chance so far, it seems unlikely that he'll get a chance mm -hmm. uh, in the final 16 games of the season. I mean, yeah. they are looking for consistency. 
they're looking for for guys to kind of gel together. So I I think it's it's unlikely that you'll see him in the lineup, and it's probably unlikely that you'll see uh, um, anybody really from the Marlies at this point because the, their best assets are currently playing for the team. Uh, and you mentioned Liljegren. Uh, I, I'm really concerned that he's um, that he's not an NHL defenseman. I mean, it, it seems to me like he either needs more time in the minors or um, or maybe he just doesn't have it. But he's in the lineup and has been in the lineup strictly because they're desperate. Uh, but if they go into the playoffs and he's got to play minutes for them, mm-hmm. I, I think they're in big trouble. Uh, now, Rasmus Sandin shows upside, right? You know, he's, he's not consistent. He makes mistakes. He's being sat down for tonight. But having said that, he he has made enough good plays where you go, you know, he could be a really good defenseman. Mm-hmm. And so, like, speaking of consistency, would you would you see what do you what do you think of the Leafs? Like the the lack of consistency uh, to be more specific with you, uh, the Leafs losing sometimes back to back games. You know, we've seen we've seen the struggles that they faced scoring the first goal. Um, of of a game, and then that's when they fall, and that's when they fall flat, right? And so, would you? What do you? What do you think they can change in order to be more consistent on a nightly basis? Well, you know, when you point to a lack of consistency, basically that's every team that's that's um, average. Uh, average hockey teams are inconsistent. Average hockey teams don't play average every night. Mm-hmm. They play really well some nights and really poorly other nights. Right, you're very seldom um, just average, and that's what the Maple Leafs have been this season. They're an average hockey team right now, mm-hmm. and so there's nights when you play, when you see them play, and you go, "Oh my gosh, they played really well." Yeah. And then there's other nights when you go, "Oh my gosh, they they were not good at all. They were bad," and that's that's kind of what all the teams in the middle of the pack are. They they can play well sometimes, but what makes you a good team and not an average team is the ability to play well more often so the Leafs I, I mean what do they have to do to be more consistent I, I don't know I mean the easy answer would be they got to win more games but that's not really answering their question I think that they need uh, they need to get a buy-in from the forwards in particular because it's kind of like the defense mm-hmm. is what it is uh, it's not a great defense it started out average and they've lost their two best defensemen in Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin so you can't expect much there, but if mm-hmm. they're if they're going to play well over the final 16 games, then they have to get buy-in from their their forwards. And Frederick Anderson, let's face it, has not had a good year. This is his worst yeah. season as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And when you face a team in the playoffs that has more points than you, that is clearly better than you, really your only hope is for your goaltender to play better than their goaltender. Yeah. So Anderson needs to turn his season around and needs to outplay the goaltender in the other net because he has not done it uh, against Tuka Rask uh, either year, and he didn't do it uh, against the Capitals, um, Braden Holt, the, the year before. They need their goalie to be the best of the two goaltenders. Yeah. And I, I think like when you talk a little bit about uh, Frederick Anderson um, and, and just the, the Leafs, I, I think a lot of the concern is with the goaltending, and they want the consistency based off of the whole team's uh, performance. And I think you see what Elliot Friedman has mentioned. Uh, he mentioned how they're very unpredictable. You know, they go into Pittsburgh and they get 
they get killed. And they go into Florida, they got killed. Uh, and then they go into Tampa, and they they were, they were great, right? And it's do you do you, what what are your what are your thoughts on what Elliot Friedman said about the Maple Leafs how they're so unpredictable? Do you agree or disagree? Well, I mean, you, you can't disagree. You just you know you you look at their record and they have played good games and they play bad games. But like I said, mm-hmm. that's what you get from average teams. You know, you know. Average teams aren't necessarily average all the time. Sometimes they play really well, and then when you think, oh, i got to figure it out, they're a really mm-hmm. good team, they play really poorly. Uh, and that relates to to a lot of different things. But so far, you know, based on the number of games that they've played, what would it be, 56 games, 66, 70? No, 66 games that they've mm-hmm. played. Uh, you got to say that they're just – you know, a pretty average hockey team. Yeah. You know, nothing really more. They got 16 games to look otherwise, to prove otherwise, and then they've got a, a, a round in the playoffs to show that the the optimism that people felt before the season uh, actually, you know, still exists. Yeah. Um. So I I think we all saw last night on Twitter from uh, Mark Masters and people like him, and you know the notion that. Morgan Riley, Cody Cece, um, they're looking forward to having them back by next week. And so how is that, uh, how how huge of a benefit is that for the Maple Leafs? Uh, if uh, if they get Morgan Riley and Cody Cece back? Yes, by next week. Oh, well, I mean, as I said to you before, right now they're, um, you know, they were an average defense when they had uh, Morgan Riley, who who has not played this year nearly as well as he played last year. Yeah, Jake Munson, who's pretty good. Tyson Berry, who's been a massive disappointment. You know, Travis Dermott, who who's who's okay. Um, like Hall shows an upside, uh, mm-hmm. but then you know you got Cody Cece, who has uh, you know has been, I would say, average at best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go through all of that and you say, well, that's a pretty average defense compared to good teams in the NHL. But then you take two guys, three guys off that, three of your top six defensemen, including your number one defenseman, Morgan Riley, and your number two, Jake Muzzin, then what you replace them with is going to be really not very good. So they are desperate, I think, mm-hmm. to get those defensemen back. Yeah. So moving forward, what would you like to see from this team uh, on a nightly basis. Uh, what would I like to see from the Leafs on a nightly basis? Yes. Uh, I, I would say uh, more than anything, I, I think you need your best players to play their best hockey over the entire rink. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we know that, that Maple Leafs can score goals, but nobody wins the Stanley Cup by saying we're going to outscore you. So they need their their best players, their forwards, to be able to execute on 200 feet of ice. They need to have better in-zone coverage defensively um, than they've had over the last couple of years. You know, like it's just it's just a fact that mm-hmm. they will not win the first round of the playoffs if they play defense. And I'm talking in, entire team, not just the defensemen. Yeah. But if if they're if they aren't better than they've been they will lose to Tampa and they'll probably lose in uh, in less than six. Yeah. 
Um, and so, like, we all know, like, how this all, all this, all this pressure on the Maple Leafs and all this pressure in NHL and hockey, how this affects the mental health of an athlete, right? And so we want to move in uh, to how you've been affected by mental health and depression. And so I've seen that the hashtag, a very popular hashtag that you use as a movement is sick, not weak. So can you more elaborate more on what that means to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, it came up when I was giving uh, a speech uh, in the early days of me speaking about, about mental health. Because uh, even though I, I've suffered for, um, for about 20 years since actually when we first started off the record, uh, I never spoke about it for the first 10 years because I thought no one, no one would care. I didn't think there was a benefit to it. It wasn't that I was hiding it from people in my life. I just thought, you know, who's going to care about my problems? And then I interviewed Stefan Richet, former Montreal Canadian, and I knew he had struggled with depression. And I asked him in advance, is it okay if I ask you how you're doing? And he said, I don't know. It's very painful for me to talk about. So I said, oh, okay, well, you know, I get that. But if you'll talk about it, I'll talk about it. He said, you? And I said, yeah, me. So we went on the air. We talked for maybe 90 seconds about it. That was it. And that changed my life because the next day I started finding out that uh, in particular men – were shocked to hear two other men talking about their struggles with depression. And in particular, they were shocked because we were talking about it without shame and embarrassment and without seeming weak. And I, I, I didn't know until that day, until I saw that reaction, that I actually had something to offer. And then I found as time went on, the more and more I talked about it, the more and more I was able to make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately when I um, finally found somebody when I was giving a speech who would argue with me, I would say, come on, debate me. We all know the stigmas out there. We all know that people see mental illness as different than physical illness. Someone, you know, let's talk about this. So finally I found someone who would argue with me and say, yeah, you know what, depression's not like cancer and depression's not like heart disease. You know, depression is somewhat self-inflicted. Yeah. And I said, you know, thank you for saying that, uh, but here's what I would say, and that is that, you know, I'm sick, but I'm not weak. Mm -hmm. And if you perceive mental illness like depression as being a weakness, then you're wrong. Uh, yeah. If you perceive it that way also, you will never treat the people around you with the respect that they deserve mm -hmm. from their illness. And in particular, if you see mental illness as a weakness, you will never share if it's you that's experiencing it. You won't share it with other people because no one wants to be seen as weak. So it kind of became this line that, that, that stuck. And it kind of stuck because it's a statement. I'm sick, not weak. But it's also kind of the, uh, a, a rally cry. It's an argument. It's in a lot of ways, it's like, okay, we're looking to move to a new time. I'm not saying it's a revolution, but there's a lot of people who are involved in, in mental health that, that believe that we need to fight what people believe to be the, the stigma around mental illness. We've got to fight it. And Sick Not Week kind of becomes that, that rally cry that we have, which is, damn, I'm sick, but I'm not weak. And if people would believe that, the stigma would disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those those were really good insights that, um, you know, I think like personally that my dad has been through so many things, you know, he was at a point where he, he wanted to end his life. And I, I just I knew he, he had a love for music. And so I want to show him some type of escape from 
um, his sickness. And I wanted people to know that, you know, it's, it's not fake. It's real. It happens to people. And it's not like it's, it's something to sweep under the rug, right? I think a lot of the discussions on mental health have been uh, very, cover, uh, well, undercovered, I would say. Um, and I think if we continue to bring this discussion into light, I think the discussions will continue to arise. I think that's when we can all together end the stigma for mental health. And speaking of that, I will send it over to my partner, Tyler, for the next question. Hi, Michael. So uh, I was actually wondering this. So given your struggle with depression, uh, as we've seen in the past, first off, how important is it to talk about mental health? And do you think it should be covered more than it is at this moment? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's so important that I don't shut up about it. I mean, the best way to get people to talk about it is to talk about it, is for them to hear people talk. And for them to hear people talk about it, not like they're ashamed or embarrassed, not like it's a personal flaw. And I tell people, when you're going to tell others that you have an illness like depression, don't, don't tell it like you're ashamed. Don't tell it like this is your fault. Don't say things like, I don't know why I get like this. It's an illness, and treat it like an illness. We don't apologize if we have you know, heart disease or cancer or, or any diabetes. People don't say, oh, my gosh, I don't know why I got like this. It's like you have an illness, and you are entitled to people's sympathy and respect. So I think talk is a massive thing. It is the biggest thing, and in particular, it is so important when it comes to suicide because if you don't talk about suicide if people have never heard the word used towards them then how are they ever going to say you know i have these thoughts and i don't want to have these thoughts and i don't i don't you know i don't search for these thoughts if you've never heard somebody talk to you about suicide how are you going to talk to them about it if the occasion should arise when you have suicidal thoughts so I think talk is the biggest thing in disarming the stigma, and um, that's why I, I don't shut up about it. Absolutely, and as somebody who personally has gone through those thoughts and have lost people to suicide as well, I think it's very, very important, like you said, to talk about it. Um, which leads me into my next question and uh, the second last question that we have here. So given the circumstances concussion-related, especially in hockey, um, how is mental health kind of associated with that? Uh, well, mental mental health, mental illness is yes. definitely a symptom of uh, of blows to the head. You know, people that suffer from post concussion syndrome and eventually um, CTE uh, suffer uh, all kinds of mental health challenges. And uh, you know, it's 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 not the illness. It's not the same as when when I started suffering from depression, it didn't relate to blows to the head. It didn't relate to something that was going on in my life. It was just something that hit me randomly. Right. Uh, and it could be explained. So, you know, in a lot of ways, the depression that I would suffer and then the depression that somebody who's had concussions would suffer would feel the same way, but they can't be treated the same way because that person actually has damage to their brain that is causing these symptoms. Right. But there's no, there's no question, though, that um, some of the symptoms of post-concussion syndrome, of repeated blows to the head, I, you know, some of the symptoms are mental health-related, and it's, uh, it's really scary because, you know, people who play a game like hockey, who love that, who have made it their life, find it very difficult to give it up 
even though we all know in many cases giving it up would be the right thing to do. It's very difficult to think down the road when you're 25 years old and you're playing in the National Hockey League and you've had a few concussions. If, if you weren't in the NHL, if you were playing pickup hockey, someone would say to you, you should have, don't play this anymore. You know, like, why would you risk your long-term health? But when you play in the NHL, when it's all you know, it's pretty tough to give it up. Of course. And uh, another another thing that uh, we've touched on, of course, with players like Rick Rippon and uh, Steve Montador, where the NHL has sort of denied on numerous occasions that there was any sort of mental illness related to the head trauma, do you think that they should be coming out instead of saying that, oh, it's not true? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think they know it's true. They just don't say it because of uh, the lawsuits that they're facing. Right. Because the NFL came out and said, yeah, we understand that there's a relationship between concussions and CTE. We understand that, you know, repeated blows to the head do cause symptoms that may never go away. You know, they, their chief medical officer in the NFL came out and admitted that. The NHL won't do it because they're afraid of what it's going to mean to them in court, which, you know, I, it's not my job necessarily to understand that. To me, it's, uh, it's pretty horrifying that they're not willing to, to, um, to say the things that science tells them. It's like you don't get an opinion. You have to go by what does medicine say? Yeah. What, is, what does science say? And if science tells you that there's a link between blows to the head and quality of life, then who the hell are you, NHL, to be denying it? You know, but they're doing it because, uh, I think, because they are worried about it costing them money in court. And when they had depositions for the lawsuits, there was – try to remember the owner. I, I don't think I'm going to remember who it was. But they said to him, have you heard of CTE? And he said, no, I've never heard of it. They said, come on, really? This was a couple of years ago. But, you know, CTE's right. been around for a decade. And, you know, if you own an NHL team, it's a big issue. And he said, nope, never heard of it. And it was like, okay, well, I don't believe anything you say or I don't believe what other owners say because they're trying to save their asses when it comes to money. And that's pretty deplorable, I think. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Now, uh, the one last question before we end it off, it's uh, sort of related to what we were talking about in the beginning uh, with your experience with TSN. So if you were to offer any kind of advice to somebody who is looking at being on sports radio, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I would say that you got to look at what you want to do as being no different than playing a musical instrument that if if you said oh i want to be a professional guitar player what should i do every person on the planet would tell you you have to practice well it's no different with broadcasting broadcasting is a skill not unlike playing a musical instrument and the only way to get better is to do it to do it repeatedly to listen to yourself or watch yourself to analyze what you're doing to find people whose opinions you respect to ask them you know what do you think what can i be doing because Every time you do it, you get better. And sure, it would be great you know, to be on television, on TSN, every day to get better. I had the benefit of that. Uh, but most people, most people don't get that. So you've got to find ways to create it artificially. And I, I, I can tell you that one of the best things I ever did was uh, I committed to every time I'm in the car by myself, I'm going to talk. And I'm going to talk for as long as I'm driving the car. And that taught me how to ad-lib. 
So if you were, were to say to me, hey, you know, start talking now and don't finish for 10 minutes, I'd say, yeah, no problem. Not because I'm any different than anybody else, but because I practiced it. Right. Practice, practice, practice. That is the key to success. And if you know that, you will know something that most people don't. And there's two things, there's two halves in an equation that go into how good you can be on the air. One half is your natural ability, you know, how you sound, the quality of your voice. There's, there's a lot of things, how you look, but you can't change. But the one thing you can change is the other half of the equation, and that is how hard you're willing to work. And if you decide, I will not be outworked by anyone, then, uh, then you will get the things that you want. But if not... Um, you, you may struggle and you may find yourself frustrated. Remember these words. Every time you do it, whether it's talking in your car, whether it's talking to your cell phone and you're recording it, whether it's uh, recording your voice, every single time you get a little bit better. You learn something about yourself. All right. Thank you very much for, for the answer here. So, uh, again, this was Michael Landsberg of TSN 1050. Uh, thank you very much, Michael, for taking the time to sit down and interview with us today. And uh, my, my we pleasure. greatly appreciate me. it. Thank you. You too. Thanks, All right, guys. Thank you. Once again, that was Mr. Michael Landsberg of TSN 1050. And Jigme and I would like to formally uh, say a little thank you to Michael for joining the show this afternoon. Uh, we just, I'll let Jigme take it from here. Um, yeah, so again, first off, thank you to Mr. Landsberg, Mr. Michael Landsberg, um, for being so kind and uh, so great in the process. Um, it, it didn't take long. I mean, it, it was uh, just an exchange back and forth of text messages and emails. And, uh, you know, he's been very kind, uh, very receptive of the process. Uh, he's been very understanding as well as we had some type of issues at the beginning. Uh, but we're, we're very glad that we got it all uh, f sorted out and we got it all done today. So uh, without further ado, let's get into some Maple Leafs. Yes. So I want to I kind of use the basis of consistency. When, when, you guys, when you and Michael were talking about uh, the Leafs' consistency, yeah. um, they haven't been consistent at all, so let's build off of that going into the game tonight against San Jose. Yes. Um, first goal. The all-important goal is the most important thing. Um, second thing is obviously playing good in front of your goaltender. It's your backup. Jack Campbell has been solid so far for Toronto. Uh, he's been very impressive so far in his start, his stint with the Maple Leafs. Um, credit to Kyle Dubas uh, for the acquisition. Uh, I mean, Kyle Clifford has been great. He's been adding a lot of fierce uh, competition in the game now. Uh, it's try to, it, it turned the dynamic around for the Maple Leafs, I think. The focus was a little bit different now. Um, they know that it's a tough race now with Florida just five points back. Uh, it's a big lead for Toronto points-wise, but when you think about Florida, they've got some talented players like Eric Howla now, Lucas Walmark, new acquisitions uh, for the Florida Panthers. And uh, they're going to be they're going to be vying for that final playoff spot. So don't count them out just yet because they're going to come back fighting, and come back fighting stronger. So, I mean Toronto, key is picking up two points here on uh, San Jose, and also uh, picking up the four points or no six points. The six say. points. Six points. Uh, yeah. In the road trip. 
If they can get five out of a, of a potential six points, that'll pretty much lock them in the playoffs. Yes. And I don't think the way that Florida's been playing and it's recently, like, and it's like Toronto has had uh, you know their fair share of defense pairings, and uh, if you look at their defense now, it's like the Marlies all over again. Just one piece out of it was uh, Vincent Loverde. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's it's like Michael was saying earlier was um, how the Panthers were playing horrible. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with that. And it it was even before they got rid of Vincent Trocek. Mm-hmm. But especially since he's been gone, I've noticed that they haven't been playing very well at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for the Leafs to lose any of these games, if if they lose three in a row and Florida wins three in a row, Toronto's right back out of it again. Yeah. The key to locking themselves into a playoff spot here is win the next three games and get six out of six points. I know it's easier said than done, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hang together, especially with Jack Campbell starting. He's he hasn't been perfect, but he's been one of the greatest backups that I've seen for the Leafs since Curtis McElhaney. Yeah, and that includes going through Jonas Enroth, uh, Michael Hutchinson, you name it. Mm-hmm. So I think that it was it's a great opportunity for them to get the six points, and going into a, a team a San Jose team who struggled a lot of the season. Uh, an Anaheim Ducks team that, you know, isn't doing the greatest. And then, of course, the Los Angeles Kings, who are so far out of a playoff spot. What do they need to do to win? Well, I mean, that's a hard question. Um, what do they need to do to win? They got to play uh, as a full team. Uh, full team effort is going to be important. Uh, starting on time is important. Playing good in front of your goaltender is important. Um, all things, all things uh, in the spectrum of that. I think that's that's what they need to improve on, and that's what they got to do tonight, and on the road trip. I mean, they're gonna get. Well, let's let's say Riley CC is not gonna be back probably till potentially next week, so that's good news for the Maple Leafs front of things. But you know, in order to win, you just gotta have a full team effort, right? I mean, this is this is some late games this week, uh, but. They got to get used to it, and they got to get playing now, right? I mean, they got a season on the line. They got the playoffs on the line. So now it's all do or die, right? It's either you play good or you flop, right? You find it or you flop. That's, yep. that's, that's how I like to perceive it, right? If you're here to play for the Stanley Cup, then by all means, do you, right? But if you're here to play for, the, if you're here to play for yourselves, like Alex Ovechkin said, then that's your choice. But I'm just saying, if the Leafs want to win the Stanley Cup, they got to play differently. And the way that they're playing right now is good, but they got to be better. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens on this road trip. Absolutely. So now let's slide into a little bit of the OHL. So let's talk about the Mississauga Steelheads here. Uh, they have 10 games left in the regular season. Yes. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's not an easy one. Six of those 10 games are back-to-back-to-back. So... The first game being against the Saginaw Spirit on Thursday, uh, it's an 11 a.m. game. It's a school day game. Yeah. So, and Saginaw is one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So, it's not going to be easy to beat them with names like Cole Perfetti, Cole Koski, uh, Bodie Wild, who just got sent back down from Bridgeport to Saginaw. Yeah. And then, of course, their solid goaltender, Tristan Lennox. Now, we've seen offensive weapons like Cole Schwint. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen what James Hardy can do. He's got a tremendous shot, won the game in the for the uh, Steelheads in the shootout the other night against Sudbury. Um, but the question is, with games against, 
you know, we've obviously got the school day game. They've got the North Bay Battalion on Friday night and the Peterborough Peets on Saturday night. Then the game after that, the week after that, the week of March 21st, they have a game in North Bay. Mm-hmm. They have a game at home against Niagara, and then they have a game in Hamilton the next night Yeah, on Saturday. So the question is, what can we really expect from these guys in terms of what they can do to finish in a higher playoff spot? Because right now, they are sixth in the Eastern Conference, and the, the way that it's, that it's uh, formatted, the two division winners are the top two seeds in the conference. So if the Oshawa Generals are in, the, let's say, the North Division and the Sudbury Wolves are in the Central Division, it's going to yeah. be those two, like the first two first guys there, and then the rest of the teams. Yeah. So with the Steelheads being sixth in the Eastern Conference right now, yeah. they're three points behind the Barry Colts yeah. for fifth. Yeah. What can they do to get ahead of Barry and solidify themselves in a higher playoff spot to which they don't have to worry about who they're facing? I mean, keep playing consistently. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, we mentioned it again, over and over again. I mean, consistency is very important for a team. Uh, playing a full team effort is going to take a lot of things. Um, playing good in front of your goaltender. Uh, protecting a lead, I think, if you have a chance. Um, start on time, I think. Uh, have trust in each other. Ha- hold each other accountable. Um, I think it's just having a good mindset coming into the game, right? I mean, it's a new game. You know you got the playoffs on the line. You got to keep the way you're playing. You got to keep going consistently, and you got to do it on a nightly basis, right? I mean, consistency is going to be the number one key for them to make it into the playoffs. So if they can keep that up and they can continue to win games, then they're set and ready to go for the playoffs. So, yeah. Absolutely. So in it, I want to talk about before we move into the Grand Falls Rapids and uh, their season in the, the Maritime Junior A Hockey League, I want to talk about how, first off, Cole Schwint has been... Cole Schwint and James Hardy, I think those top three for the Steelheads, Cole Schwint, James Hardy, and Thomas Harley have all been popping off this year. Five out of six of the top scorers are having career years right now for the Steelheads. Yeah. And we've said it before that James Hardy, we thought was going to go late first, early second. Yeah. But with Cole Schwint, he has 69 points on the season. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. So should Florida be watching that right now to see not only where he's at, but as a, as a potential call-up for the next two seasons? I mean, we've seen it a lot with Owen Tippett with last year when he was playing for the Saginaw Spirit, currently playing yeah. for the Springfield Thunderbirds. Yeah. Um, what are we going to see there? Well, I mean, Cole Schwind would be a good piece for Florida. Uh, don't get me wrong there. Uh, I think he'll fit right in with the system. Uh, but I don't know. I, I can't. I can't really speak. So, uh, uh, like as as we speak right now, I think it's it's. Uh, you know, it's 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 a tough question to answer based off of you know like how we can compare players to teams and how they belong in their system. I mean, we can go all day with it, right? I mean, but I'm just saying, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I would say, uh, he does he does belong in the system. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it's very complicated, and there's a lot of parts to it, right? And I think, like, I, we can't give one definite answer to that type of question. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm still scratching my head on that one. All right, yeah. And, uh, again, we've, we've talked about, how James Hardy would fit into various systems. The Leafs, the Senators, 
even the Predators. Um, and, and we will touch back on the Mississauga Steelheads right after the season concludes on March 22nd. Hopefully, we're all going to be there. And it's going to be a good Memorial Cup run, I think, for a lot of teams, especially the Kitchener Rangers. So we're, we're going to keep up with that. And uh, we will update you when the OHL season concludes. But for right now, I want to get into the Grand Falls Rapids and the Maritime Junior A Hockey League. Yep. So they had their last six games tonight, is or Thursday night is their last game against the Miramichi Timberwolves. Uh, unfortunately, will not be making the playoffs. They were eliminated from playoff contention. But there's a lot of potential there. And the reason I say that there's a lot of potential with the Rapids is because they have names like uh, Tyreek Uten. Yeah, by, by Ty Uten, who, you know, has done a great job at holding down the crease with, with Nolan Boyd this year. Um, but they've also, they also have a lot of great players like, uh, you know, Matt McNeil, Matthew McKay, uh, Drew Toner, Adrian Ward, who have all been a, a vital part of that team since they came into fruition in the 2018-2019 season. And another player that I really want to point out, he's a, he's a rookie skater, Zach Arsenal. And he is, I have to say, from the highlights that I watched from him, yep. so impressive. So impressive. He's a physical player, yet he can make plays. And that's exactly what you need in a defenseman. Devin Pym, another great defenseman. Uh, and then, of course, you got Ty Uten and, and Nolan Boyd, who have been nothing short of impressive this year uh, some days. So, and then, yeah, and then, uh, so the Grand Falls Rapids, of course, it'll be interesting to see what Danny Braun and Brad McKenzie can come up with in the offseason. But I think this team has a lot of potential, given a lot of great rookie skaters uh, and a lot, of, a lot of great work that's going to be going into the team. I mean, they have a lot of, they have, Two solid goaltenders. Uh, they've got some solid defensemen who they can work off of. I think the only thing that they're really lacking right now is not only some depth, but some scoring wingers. And now, before we end it off, I want to just... Uh, Cameron's here with us, and we're going to be talking about the Oakville Blades briefly. And uh, without further ado, Cameron, let's talk about the Blades. Thank you. Um, well, before we start with the Blades, I just want to... I just received breaking news out of the. I know we're, it's mainly a soccer podcast, or hockey podcast, excuse me, that we're talking about, but I just want to start with some breaking news out of the. Um, in the world of soccer right now. Um, so, Cristiano Ronaldo's mother uh, was taken into the hospital t- earlier today due to a stroke she suffered earlier this morning. Um, the update is she is recovering right now in the hospital. Signs are looking good. Nothing bad they're saying right now. I haven't heard any word. But, um, yeah, prayers up to the Ronaldo family and that stuff. Sorry, just got an update on that one. Okay, thank you. Cristiano Ronaldo is flying to Madeira uh, to be with mom uh, bedside. So, yeah, uh, so thank you. So prayers up again to the Ronaldo family as this is a tough time for them right now. Um, anyways, let's get the in, Oakville Blades. Let's, the latest? let's get into the Oakville Blades right now, and they're in the on. Eh. Let's get into the Oakville Blades right now. Their playoffs have begun, and for the defending champions, they're up to nothing against the Brantford 99ers. And it was actually it started on Friday for about 20 minutes. They had a 2-1 lead, and then the ice broke. Then the center Literally, ice logo like, pop we're, up. We're not it kidding. Up. The ice was broken it, it, it was damaged it, it popped up so they had to cancel that game and they moved it to saturday so the day after the day after so they were playing back to back because they had to go to on sunday to Brantford to play game two yep. so game one actually started on 
Saturday. I mean, if you, if you count that, that first period, it was back-to-back to back to back to back to back to back technically yeah um but yeah so anyways so saturday game one was played and oakville won that game three to one and then on sunday they went back to back wins they beat the Brantford 99ers five to one so now that means oakville has a two nothing lead in their series and guess what Game three between Brantford and Oakville is back in Oakville tonight at 7.30. 7.30. That's going to be a good one. I mean, I'm expecting... You know what? At this point, with the way that Brantford's been playing, I, I was watching the game the other night. I wouldn't be surprised if Oakville... I, I don't want to curse him here. I wouldn't be surprised if Oakville swept. You know, it, it's looking that, that way right playing, now. I, just, I, I don't know if Brantford's going to stay alive. Well, I mean, anything could happen, but... Anything could happen. There's no, no lead safe in hockey. I, I feel like I just jinxed them. It's only safe in hockey anyways, but <laughs> the way Oakville's been playing with Coach Jamie Storr behind the bench, obviously a former NHL goalie himself and a Hall of Famer, the guys just, they have a good team this year. Um, but anyways, yeah, game three between Brantford and Oakville is back at the 16-mile sports complex in Oakville tonight at 7.30. Now, before we end it, let's just take a quick look around the other OJHL playoff games that are were happening. The Buffalo Junior Sabres. Have a one to nothing lead on over the Burlington the, Another Halton team. Yes, the Burlington Cougars. Which, that's surprising. I mean... Burlington finished second in the division behind Oakville. Well, and, and look at them. Like, they're an all-powerful team, too. Yeah. They're one of the powerhouses in the league. But don't forget, and, it's also Oakville, um, Oakville plays fourth. So that was yeah. Brantford that finished fourth. It's in the middle between B- Buffalo and Burlington. I don't, think, I don't think in the standings the points were that far off from each other. Yeah. In the standings. But, um, yeah, there's that. And let's go to the next one when Georgetown actually – so I mentioned in the last one, Georgetown was over in the crossover game against Markham, beating Markham. So they started their playoffs in the OJHL North Division where they're supposed to be playing with Oakville and them, but they finished fifth in the standings. But, yeah, the crossover. Anyways, Georgetown is up one to nothing. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Pickering is up one to nothing over the Georgetown Raiders in that one. The St. Michael's buzzer, the St. Michael's buzzers lead one to nothing over the Patriots, the Toronto Patriots for all of you. Trenton Golden Hawks lead the Whippy Fury one nothing. The Collingwood Colts lead the Stouffville Spirit one nothing. The Junior Canadians, the Toronto Junior Canadians, excuse me, are down one to nothing over the North York Rangers, and the Wellington Dukes lead two nothing over the Coburg Cougars. So they're actually saying as a prediction for the Buckland Cup Finals, it's going to be a rematch of last year. Oakville's going to play probably Wellington, they're saying. That's their prediction. It's going to be an Oakville-Wellington matchup. In a rematch of last year, that saw Oakville win the Buckland Cup over Wellington, just sweeping them four games to nothing. And that's going to be an interesting playoff race, too. I mean... Well, both teams actually finished first, and I'm pretty sure this year Wellington had more points than Oakville. Yeah, I mean... Just in general. So I'm thinking now... In the finals, if that's the two teams, Would I think you'd Wellington. be surprised if it was a, a rematch of last year's Buckland Cup between Oakville and Wellington. Well, I'm pretty sure Wellington's been in most of them. Wellington and I believe they're just they're a team who can't. Yeah, Wellington. I think three years in a row they, they played Georgetown. Three. But um, anyways, Wellington's been uh, and Georgetown been at it for three years, and then I think Wellington won one of the two, and then it was. Oakville and Wellington last year, and it could be again this year for two yeah, straight years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, both teams have exhibited great qualities, and they've 
both been on fire. I mean, you, they were the number one and two in the league. So, I mean, and last year, when we saw Oakland. Oakland. Last uh, we're, year, not, we're not going with back to the California yeah, Golden no Seals. <laughs> we're, uh, when we saw Oakville bring home the Buckland Cup, they fought in that series hard. Well, they but, fought, but they couldn't get it done in four games. Yeah, and, and you really think that I, th- I think that Wellington's going to want to come out and fight. Well, we saw that in the game when they played a couple months ago where Wellington won in overtime against Oakville. And it was just heartbreak. It was heartbreak. I, I was in the tunnel when the, the players were coming out for Oakville, and all you could hear was them yelling. like Very emotional. The F word and that stuff. I'm pretty sure Jamie Storch tried telling them to calm down. Yeah, and I mean, played. It's, it's just really tough. But, I mean, if we were to, if we were to figure out who was going to be in the finals, I'd put a safe bet on Oakville being there, and I would put maybe Wellington, but if not, it could possibly be. It, 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 to me, it's either going to be somebody. I'm saying Oakville Wellington as well. Yeah. But I'm thinking too. It could also be one of the. Tri- I'm. You know what? I'm gonna say North Rock Rangers. They've been playing exceptional hockey. Yeah. And so are the Toronto Patriots. Any of those Toronto teams, I think, could make a run for the Buckland Cup this year. Toronto Red Wings. <laughs> Toronto Red Wings. <laughs> Well, there's three Toronto teams in, though. Yeah, I mean, and that's the same with the GTHL. There's the Don Mills, well, pretty much all of Greater Toronto Hockey League. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see the playoffs in the, in the next little while. And with the OHL playoffs, too, the season concludes March 22nd. Yeah, so. So, I guess we'll have to just wait and see. Coming up. Guess we're going to have to just wait and see. So, now, uh, reflecting on. Everything with uh, the interview with Michael Landsberg. So very grateful once again to, to Michael Landsberg who came onto the show. Yes. Thank you very much again for your time. So uh, for those of you who have not already followed us on social media, we will link our social media down in the description. We are also going to link our Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube, which hopefully we will be operating soon again on YouTube and Spotify. Yeah. We will see you all on the next Shot Hockey Show one week from today.